in. Let's make sure that mine actually works when I'm talking normal. But still not talking to the gonna bring a last red. Ain't no one gonna slow me down. Oh. <coughs> All right. Hi guys! Oh hi! Welcome back. To we're Cookies back and again. Look back at, at it again. Look at this consistency. I know we're crushing it. I'm so proud of this. Me too. Me too. We're making up for lost time, really. So that's good. We're well in the body and mind for now. Yeah, and so we're back to bring more terrible stories your way, along with snacks. And if you've never listened before, this is Cookies and Crime. I'm Mindy. I'm Renee. We just talk about true crime and have snacks. It's what we do. Mm -hmm. It's our brand. Yep. Mindy brings the cookies. Renee brings the crime. It's how we roll. Disclaimer, we're not professionals of any kind. Nope. I feel the need now to say that disclaimer at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. In case you find gaps, guys, in my sources or my facts. Yeah, to be honest, we just uh, are interested in human behavior. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. We discuss stuff that's found, but let me be the first to tell you that my sources are from the internet, and we know how... The internet can be. So, yep. speaking of unreliable internet, the reason I chose the case that we're going to talk about today is because another theory has crept up. It's actually featured on a documentary on Peacock, which I watched last week, called The Myth of the Zodiac Killer. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Oh, I know. So if, if, if you're like most of the population, you're like, oh, I've heard the Zodiac killer i've maybe seen the robert downey jr jake gyllenhaal movie prepare for the actual story instead of the hollywood version but i I gotta be honest this one always freaked me out because it's so random well it's so random and then the letters and like the cipher and like taunting and the freaking hood that he like it's it's creepy it's and the, whole, the symbol it's movie worthy is what it is well david is, fincher did a hell of a job with the movie yeah yeah yeah. If you haven't seen it, you should you should definitely watch it. Go see it. Or watch this and then go see it and fact check Hollywood. You could do that too. So if you're not already familiar, this case involves 32 letters mocking the newspapers and police. It involves 37 alleged victims. We, we're, for the sake of time, we are not going to cover every single letter and every single victim. Although I did read all the letters. It was a lot. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Like, I know the spelling was bizarre in some yeah. of the words. Like, he, he had, like chose yeah really interesting ways to and even like words themselves mm -hmm. very weird word choice very weird i really love cases that dive into i think we talked about this a little bit with the john benet case but i'm very fascinated with forensic linguistics Mm -hmm. and this is one of those cases where like forensic linguists linguists A team of linguists and analysts really like went to town yeah on these letters because it was like heavily coded cryptographer's dream is what it was anyway so if if you want to see the peacock documentary the myth of the zodiac go see it it's pretty good it really focuses on the new theory of uh dr thomas horan who believes that the zodiac killer is not even real so yep well i mean people people actually did die uh yes no, he doesn't deny that. Yeah. And we'll go through what I'm going to do, the style of this episode, which will inevitably be multiple parts. Probably only two parts, but we'll see how we'll see how this goes, how long it gets. Um, but we're going to go through every single, not every single case, but every major case that's been linked to the Zodiac Killer. I'm going to give you the evidence. I'm going to give you the alleged witness statements. And then I'm going to let 
Mindy react and you as the listeners hopefully comment if you're into interacting on Spotify. Yeah, I'm what, really, what I'm really curious what uh, yeah. how, what we're getting into because like this one always freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my belief in this new theory was inconsistent through the entirety of the documentary. I had moments where I was like, yeah, I'm a believer, hands mm. down. And then I had other moments where I was like, well, I mean, these could definitely be linked. I don't know. Okay, okay. But let's dive into this timeline, okay? Let me set the stage. June 4th. 1963 in good old Santa Barbara, California. It's June. It's summer. It's hot outside. It's also the end of the school year. And so Robert Domingos and his uh, fiance, Linda Edwards, I want to point out there, <laughs> age 18 and 17 respectively, because this is a different time, guys. People got engaged when they were babies. So this 18-year-old and 17-year-old were like, let's uh, participate in Senior Ditch Day and go to the beach. So, so they did. So they drove to a secluded spot on Gaviota Beach. Maybe butchered that. Um, but they intended to, like, hike down. Um, their car was parked up on a hill. They hiked down this, like, steep trail to get to the beach. They, their car was parked on Highway 101. And I feel like that's significant for those who know the area. At some point, while they were on this beach, or on their way down to the beach, they were confronted by a gunman armed with a 22 caliber weapon. We don't know if it was a handgun or a rifle. I guess it doesn't super matter. But the assumed series of events that investigators pieced together for this confrontation claims that the gunman probably ordered Linda to tie Robert's hands. But while the gunman tried to tie Linda's hands, Robert broke free and fought back enough for the two of them to attempt to run away. But that's when the gunman, who's been armed this whole time, then shoots them in the back, dropping them to the ground before reloading and firing more shots, bringing the total to 11 shots in Robert and 8 shots in Linda. Jesus. That's a lot of bullets. It's a lot of bullets. The bodies were then found in a makeshift shack nearby where their belongings were also found, so it was clearly not a robbery. Now, that's a, that's a violent, wrongful death. For some reason. For some reason, and the gunman was never identified. Um, also, when he disposed their bo- of their bodies in the shack with their belongings, um, he tried and failed to catch the shack on fire. So how he did this was he caught a blanket on fire, and he, like, threw it at the shack. To, to hide evidence? To, yeah, to destroy the entire, gotcha. all of it. The bodies, the belongings, everything. It didn't work, though, because the fire ended up going out before it destroyed anything actually helpful. Mm. So... The the kids, they're, they're noticed that they're missing because despite being engaged, they are still children. And their parents are like, oh, that's weird. They didn't return home. Um, so police didn't take long to find their bodies, as well as all of the evidence that this gunman left behind. Detective Bill Baker, who was assigned this cold case seven years later in 1970, and he immediately contacted the San Francisco Police Department and told Inspector William Armstrong, who was assigned to the Zodiac investigation, that he believed Robert and Linda's murders were connected to the Zodiac killer. I don't know what prompted him to assume that, but that's the first case in the long, long, long list Mm -hmm. that are allegedly connected to the Zodiac killer. That's the first one chronologically. We're going in chronological order, okay? Okay. So that happened in 1963. Which is awful. Which is awful. And it's, it's a, 
very it's very violent for no reason well and also you know young you're, you're taking young people young people yeah and it's a couple i feel like that's notable yeah, it's it, a, it sounds to me like like an angry like uh, an angry older man yeah clearly there's some stuff that needs There's, to be worked out yeah he needs therapy whoever yeah. he is what i find interesting in this entire case in every zodiac case and not that i wish more misfortune upon these poor victims that we're going to continue to talk about but there's never like that classic serial killer act of like raping the woman like usually the well, woman's assaulted and then they're yeah. both horrifically killed. Like yeah. that's just that's just tends to be so, when a woman is involved as a victim. So there's there's not that uh, sadosexual yeah. um, motivator. Yeah. So this 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 is not an mo for him. Right. Apparently. And the, all of the suspects that are ever discussed or thought of for this case, all of the the vic- the suspects are male. So I don't know. I don't I, I don't know why I found that notable, but I was like, oh, that's really it's interesting that this serial killer decided I don't want anything more than just the thrill of shooting these people. Well, it must be power and control, you know, usually control leads to sexual assault. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I don't know. It, so the next victim three years later in October, October 30th. 1966. So we're near Halloween. We're now near Halloween. Mm-hmm. We're in Riverside, still in California. Okay. In Riverside. Sherry Josephine Bates um, was an 18-year-old bank employee and college student at Riverside Community College. She left home on the 30th to study at the library, and she even left a note for her dad and everything, And but she didn't return home that night. So her dad... He jumped on this. He immediately reported her missing at 5.30 a.m. on the 31st. Way to go, Dad. That's how fast people should respond. Mm-hmm. Um, the groundskeeper of the college, <laughs> whose name is Cleophus, which I found fun. I love that. Cleophus name. Martin. Yeah. How do you spell that? C-L-E-O-P-H-U-S. Oh, I love that Cleophus. name. I've never heard that name. Me neither. I actually like had to say it out loud a few times when I read it, too, because I was like, Cleo. I don't even... Cleo. Cleo for short. Yeah, sure. I like that. Yeah. But he found Sherry's body that next day near the library. That's awful. Another young person. 18 years old. Yeah. This time just a woman, not a couple, just one one person. Her car had been about 100 yards away. The key was still in the ignition. Um, She had been attacked with a knife. Apparently, she put up a fight in the process. So they've connected these crimes, even though they're different... I'll get to how they connect them because this one and the what see I don't know what connects the the Linda Edwards and Robert Domingos I don't know what connects that case or why that detective that cold case detective was like this this let's list it among the Zodiac killer killings because this is clearly the same the Sherry this the Sherry case hers does come up later Mm. so some of these I want you to just kind of vaguely remember the circumstances and because it's, it's going to come back. This is a very long story. So please, please stay with me, guys. <laughs> so she was stabbed 42 times Jesus. in her face, chest and back. And then her throat was slit, cutting her jugular vein. That is awful. So n- this is if we lump it with the Linda Edwards and Robert Domingo's case, this is excessive like the gunshots. 
But this is like gorier, in my opinion. No, no, this is this is this like, is up close and personal. There's no reason for that. No, you know, they're like so. You know, where, again, wherever this is coming from, like there's serious. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, nobody deserves that. Apparently, too, her car's ignition system had been tampered with. So whatever started, whatever happened to poor Sherry started in her car. She probably got out. She probably tried to run away, which is why she was 100 yards away from her car. And then she was just stabbed and left. Um, Her broken Timex watch was found on the ground. This was not Sherry's watch, by the way. Um, And it had flecks of house paint on it. A man's boot print between sizes 8 and 10 was also found nearby. And then finger and palm prints that were not Sherry's were discovered on her Volkswagen's windows. Okay. So clear. Yeah. Again, like I said, something started at her car. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, whether it was her trying to get away or her being forced out of the car. And we have evidence of a male. Yeah. 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 Clearly there is a or a really big footed woman who likes men's watches. I don't know. Um, but no culprit was arrested in this case went cold. But again, remember this for later because Sherry's Sherry's death is referenced later. Fast forward again <laughs> two years later to December 20th, 1968 in Benicia, California. This Benicia, is interesting because we're near, we're near Christmas now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in holidays. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Summer vacation, yeah. Halloween, now Christmas. Um, Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday... This one, if you look up the Zodiac Killer, some sites only list, like, a, like a handful of the alleged cases connected to him because they're like, well, this can't be confirmed, this can't be confirmed. This mm-hmm. is the first one that everybody agreed on. Okay. Okay. They were on their first date, Betty Lou and David were. David was planning to ask Betty Lou to go steady. So Aww. they promised their parents they'd be home by 11, and they went out for a date night. Not long after they left, a driver on Lake Herman, Lake Herman Road, passed by this, like, lover's lane spot that's popular for teenagers to go, and he noticed two lifeless bodies on the side of the road. So when police responded to this, this witness call, they found Betty Lou dead with five bullets in her back, as if she had been trying to run away from the car. And then they found David still breathing, next to his Rambler, which is his car, with a bullet wound in his head. Oh, my God. There was evidence of a few warning shots, or the killer was just a bad shot. So, like, everyone is like, yeah, there were warning shots. And I'm like, well, he could just be missed. bad at shooting. Yeah. yeah. Either way, there were missed shots um, that were fired into the roof of the car as well as the back windshield. And it reads to me, like... This is wrong place, wrong time, unfortunately, for these poor victims. It yeah. looks like he, this guy was hunting. Yeah, yeah. Young people. So this one gets interesting. Um, so the shell casings confirmed that the gun had been a twenty two caliber semi-automatic pistol. If you remember, the and maybe it's the pistol that made the cold case de- detective previously link Linda Edwards and Robert Domingos to this case because that was well, also, it's also a, a couple too. It's a couple as well. Yeah. So it's like it's the same MO. It's the same. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It I mean, I can understand close. why you would. Yeah. You know. So initially, the police were like Mindy here, and we're like, this looks like wrong place, wrong time. This is just unfortunate. These two unproblematic high school students. Well, it's awful because these are just kids. Yeah, you know, they haven't even really begun their lives. Like that's... they probably barely. You know, like they just got a car. Probably yeah, that's, like that is yeah, such a they're babies. Shame. Um, 
So yeah, the police the police are like, yep, wrong place, wrong time. We're looking for just a crazy guy picking random victims. Now at this point, I want to point out, um, there's no serial killer stated yet. This is 68. There's, yeah, I mean, no yeah. one's mentioned anything. So the police immediately going, this is wrong place, wrong time. That actually feels like crappy police work to me. Which is why I was like, okay. As a whole, I don't necessarily disagree with their verdict. Yeah. However, this is also, you have to understand, the 60s, mm-hmm. serial killer isn't really a term that's used. It's just starting. It's just starting. It's just starting you know, to this be is, a thing. This is before the Manson murders. This yep. is before, mm-hmm. you know, Jonestown. Ted Bundy. It's uh, all this of this. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're this is newer territory as far as, like... It is. Yeah. Um... At that time, drug, crime, and gang violence were on the rise in Vallejo in, in this part of the 60s. Um, allegedly, this, this hasn't really been confirmed, but it has been mentioned by several sources. David allegedly confronted a biker for pushing marijuana at his school. Now, this is, keep in mind, this is before marijuana was legal. It's the 60s. It's, it's yeah, it's still a crime, and David's like, okay, Stop doing this. Get this stuff out of my school. Leave it alone. He was described as a very, like, type A, very, like, heroic like, type. Actually, like, very, like, He's like, cute. I'm a good kid. Keep this don't, trash out of my school. Don't do drugs. Yes, that's what it sounded like. And so, like, this, this lead, though, was never pursued by the cops because they were like, eh, I don't feel like this is that. I don't think this is that. However... A criminal was asked his hot take in this documentary. It, again, go watch it, guys. It was actually a very good documentary. You said it's on Peacock? It's on Peacock, yeah. You have to watch it. The Myth of the Zodiac Killer. The, a criminal is interviewed, and he says that in... Or he's not a criminal. Sorry, sorry, I misquoted. I wrote, I wrote that note wrong. He was a reporter that reported on crime in that area. Okay. So he has informants that have told him that it's sort of an understood theory... In the criminal world, that Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday were killed by gang members. Okay. And they were responsible for the shooting in Benicia. So this theory that this is disconnected from the Zodiac Killer is not necessarily ridiculous, I don't think. Well, considering that there was that other, you know, like he had a confrontation. Yes. Like, I, yeah, that makes sense. I could see it being a few possibilities i don't think anything for this entire for the sake of this entire two-part three-part episode we're doing here i don't think anything should be written off yeah so could this be a serial killer absolutely it's the 60s yeah (laughs) could it also be gang violence absolutely david was probably too heroic for his own good and we also know that there was that activity in that area area. so that's not yeah i don't think that's too much of a leap yeah right so speaking of the vallejo area in 1969, we're going to jump right into Vallejo specifically. Now, this case gets even more interesting. July 4th, another holiday, 1969. See, now, that makes me... I know, I know. I'm telling you, like, don't write anything off. This could still uh, I mean, that's, be in- incredibly almost, intentional. You know, like, to me, that's like he's, he's specifically picking dates near holidays. Like, mm-hmm. it's like celebrating his own holiday, yeah. essentially. This case is when we start getting... Our first suspect. Okay. Like actual suspect in connected cases. Because at this point, when this crime happens, the police are finally like, okay, guys, okay, this is too many of the same kinds of killing. 
yeah. for this to be a coincidence. This is when they start connecting cases well, rather than just... You have a, a killer that's literally stalking couples. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. That well, keep it, in mind that first couple wasn't connected until 1970. Mm-hmm. So we haven't even talked... Like, the, the police investigating okay. this area have not even talked to... I gotcha. Oh, man. What was his name? Bill? Good old Detective Bill. He, ha- he hasn't entered the scene yet. So this is a different set of investigators. All right. So Darlene Farron had been out with her friends on the 4th of July and was driving with her friend Michael Magoo. Mago? Magoo. I'm going to say Magoo. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> Mago? Mr. Magoo. <laughs> I'm not laughing, Mike. He survived, so if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. Thank God, but also, um, that's that poor guy. I know. Uh, so the two parked somewhere to talk at night, you know, the way couples do. A shooter driving a car similar to Darlene's, according to Michael, approached their car and just opened fire. Darlene was shot several more times than Michael. Michael was shot a few times. Teenagers passed by this car and saw Michael lying outside the car because he had been able to start to get out. Like, he was attempting to run away. But he had been shot, so that, like, slows you down considerably, right? So he's, like, lying outside of his car, bleeding out. Um, the same dispatcher who receives the call about the shooting from those teen, the teenagers called immediately. The same dispatcher soon after receiving that initial call received another call. And this one was in a low monotone voice that said, I want to report a double murder. If you will go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a nine millimeter Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. Click. Darlene. Red flag. Red red flag. I think he did it. Darlene died upon arrival at the hospital, but Michael survived, which is helpful because that's what gives us a living witness statement, right? Um, And fortunate for him. Also unfortunate for him because now he has to live with that. Oh, God. I mean, I would. That would be really difficult. Yeah. I mean, I I hope that he had the support that he needed. And and I'm sure, you know, that's. Yeah. God. So, Michael claims that the gunman, he's the one who described the car as a brown version of Darlene's car. Um, as they started investigating this um, and taking his statements and the teenager's statements and stuff like that, they start investigating the kids themselves. Darlene, it turns out, was married to Dean Farron at the time. And she was the type who liked going out and dancing with her friends while her husband worked nights as a cook at IHOP. Everyone told Dean that Darlene was sort of catting around behind his back, but he and her sister never believed that that was true. They thought that was just vicious rumors. Her behavior does not support this, but whatever. That's fine. I'm Far be it for me to judge someone else living their life. Um, also, she was, <laughs> even if she was doing this, she didn't deserve to die. Oh, for sure not. So, like, you but know, it, does, it doesn't matter. If, when like, they're she trying was... to build a motive, though. Sure. That's a good sure. motive to kill. I, to- I, I understand. Yeah. I, my first thought when we got, when I started looking at this case was this one is rife with motivation because this is a married woman. Again, like Mindy said, she does not deserve to die for sure. But this is a married woman sitting in a car with a man who's not her husband at nighttime, a parked car talking. It seems like a situation you shouldn't put yourself in. I'm not victim blaming here though, but I am saying that if you were an emotionally charged killer essentially violent person and you saw a site like this 
I could see why it could, would be triggering. Well, right. And, it, you know, and if this is, if, if we're leaning towards maybe it was the husband, mm-hmm. did he have a... So he had an alibi. And he also seems like a really, he's interviewed in the documentary. He seems really sweet and like. Not the type. He, submissive. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the type to think. I mean, honestly. Because he was so in denial. He was like, she, no, absolutely not. She didn't hang out with other so, men. To me, like, like going to that, like, okay, maybe it's the husband because of, you know, cheating or whatever. First assumption, yeah. But the, the way that you described it was like somebody just literally just started opening fire. I would think that there would be a confrontation if it was a husband. Like he would be like, what are you doing? How could you do this to us? You know, yeah. like there would be some kind of like conversation mm-hmm. instead of just a meet, you know, yeah. that scene. It's it just weird. doesn't. It's weird. Yeah. You want to know who the who the actual suspect was, though? Yes. So Darlene had been married before. She had an ex-husband named Jim Crabtree. She claims that when she left Jim, it was because he was abusive. She left him for Dean, in fact. And her sister claims this was like a super healthy change for her because Jim was very aggressive, obsessive, Mm -hmm. dangerous. Her sister even claims he stalked Darlene. Okay. Like, this is a dangerous, Which is a thing that happens all the time to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is pretty standard for crazy exes. So Jim claims... That he left Darlene because she was, quote, too accessible to other men. (laughs) He says she cheated on him with Dean. I'm not saying this isn't true. I'm also saying, not saying that, like, Darlene's account's not true. These both, they're not mutually exclusive. Both of these things could be happening. Right. He could have been abusive, and as a result, she could have strayed. Right. Like, that seems like a natural course of events in my head. Um... Anyway, he interestingly, though, this is weird to me. The whole documentary, like his entire interview was so strange because they did track him down. Mm -hmm. He says that he told her when he left her, when he found out, oh, you're in love with this IHOP cook. Fine, I'm leaving you. I'm mad. I'm leaving you. He says, and I quote, this is going to come back to you nine times over. Do you want to know how many times Darlene was shot? Nine times. She that's was a, shot nine times. That's an interesting detail. Yeah. And that he admitted to it. Weird, right? So did he have an alibi? Crabtree. So let's talk about that for a second, okay? Let, let's, let's talk about that. Jim's new wife at the time, well, it, his current wife too, they're still married. Um, she was his alibi. She was like, nope, he was doing this, blah, blah, this is his alibi. And the police were like, okay, sounds good. When you ask Jim what his alibi was, He was on an acid trip because he says, this is what I do on the 4th of July. I go on an acid trip and I go hiking. How patriotic. (laughs) God bless America. (laughs) So he he goes on this acid trip and goes hiking. What an interesting, like, this is what I do every year. It gets worse. He's like, I was hiking and I can tell you who can vouch for me. I passed a family on this hiking trail and I waved at them. And they said, hey, how are you? And I said, hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Okay, great. I'm good. I'm tripping balls. And he, I'm tripping balls, but I'm doing great. I'm having a great night. And then he kept walking. He, he says, that man I waved to was a federal judge. And that's why my alibi was taken seriously. And the whole time he's telling this part of the alibi, I'm like, are you kidding? Is that what your wife that told the police? Wild, like, what are you? What a wild alibi, for one. Keep him in your back pocket, guys, because I feel like he's still. <laughs> what, a, what a fast. He, okay. Wait, hold on. I have so this guy every fourth of July he goes he trips on acid he takes acid and and then goes on a hike by himself by himself by 
himself. What a wild... Here's, I would oppose this since you pointed out the holiday thing. What if this is an every holiday thing that he does and then he just goes and shoots people up? I mean, maybe. I'm not, I'm not it's just like that any is such theories. a strange, like... What a great tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody bothered me. Cancel all my plans. Cancel all my plans. It's 4th of July. I know what trouble. I'm doing. Well, in his... Okay, not that I'm defending his, him as a human being, but like, <laughs> how much weirder would, would fireworks be when you're tripping balls? That would be oh, an experience. Sure. Experience. But also, usually, okay. you know, if you're going to do some kind of psychedelic... <laughs> You have, Maybe you know, marijuana. what's called a trip sitter. You know, you, oh, have, some, sure. you have somebody to watch to you. To watch it, because you don't know. In case you go shoot up a car. In case you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think of this case, and I haven't even dived. Let me wait till I get to his actual background. That is wild. He has a background that makes it worse. Um. So, But this case feels like if any of these cases could be, like, isolated because it had a certain personal could element be, yeah. i could see this case being sure well because there's a lot this, of he's there's a lot of factors unhinged. yeah there's if a lot of factors on an acid trip and he just he recognizes his ex's car and he drives up and he's like she's in there with another man i could see him just pointing and shooting you know i i don't know i don't know let me let me tell you let's there's well a, it's also funny because well, he's like he's like no, my alibi, like, I saw somebody. But, like, if you're tripping on acid, like, are are you sure? How valid is that? You saw somebody? Yeah, he, he makes it sound like he said this story, and then the police followed up with a federal judge, who he can't name, and this is not recorded on any police record. Yeah, that is... Like, this is not a thing that actually happened. He just thinks it did. That is goofy. He's a goofy man. He's a, But it gets worse. Wait, there's more. Okay, so... <laughs> allegedly. Jim. So Jim was a cryptographer in the army. What does that mean? Cryptographer? Yeah. So, in the Zodiac Killer case, all of the letters are done in some kind of code. Wait a second. Cryptographers, by trade, decipher codes, especially if they work for the military. They gotcha. decipher okay. all kinds of so crap. So, it's like a, like a cipher. So, it's like, yes. I gotcha. Precisely. I gotcha. So, is, is he a good Zodiac That's candidate? Suspicious. <laughs> Absol- That's suspicious. That's suspicious. <laughs> it's absolutely That's weird. makes him a good candidate is it also possible though that he just killed darlene in an isolated incident sure it wouldn't be the first time that this has happened in a crime case that we've probably looked at right mm-hmm. um we're gonna take a quick ad break though and then we're gonna go into the reason this cryptography background is significant and we're gonna go into the first letter that police receive in the zodiac killer case we'll be right back okay we're back after that brief little break. And we're now on July 31st, which is not a holiday. No. But, you know, there's not a killing that happens on the 31st either. So July 31st, 1969, a letter is sent to the police claiming responsibility for the killings. Now, this is the only letter that I'm going to read because there were 32 total letters and we just don't have time for that. And it's not important because you can't see the letter anyway. And I feel like that in this case, seeing how things are spelled and capitalized is more important than hearing it. But for this first one, I'll read it. Okay. So it starts off, Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman, plus the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas. Brand name of ammo, Super X. Ten shots were fired. The boy was on his back with his feet to the car. The girl was on her right side, feet to the west. Fourth of July. Girl was wearing patterned slacks. The boy was also shot in the knee. Brand name of ammo was Western. 
Here is part of the cipher. The other two parts of the cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and SF Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Fry, 1st of August, 1st of August, sorry, 69, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. So this sounds like someone who's very proud of his work. Yes. And I, I am a, they printed it because they're like, well, we well, my God, him I, going I, on I feel, a rampage. I feel like if you're in the media, you have a, you know, a responsibility. You obli- yeah, you, yeah are, you have an you obligation. Are obligated to do this. Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not going to, oh, hi, Boone. We have a special guest in we the studio We have a special today. guest Aww. who's recording with us today. He's very needy. He them. loves his Aunt Renee. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, I you just want to what are you guys? Yeah, <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Yeah, you want to feel included? You're doing so good. <laughs> He's behaving so well. He's never sat with us while we recorded before, so this is a. So can you hear him breathing? I bet you can hear him. He breathing. just he just wanted to tell Aaron Renee how much he, he loves like, her. Keep on reading those letters. Okay, I'm not going to read all of them though. The in this the, so on the July 31st, they actually received three letters. So that one that I read is the first one of the three. And then they get another one that same day where the writer demanded his letters be published again, along with the cipher he included. So needy. Um, yeah. And then the, the, uh, the third letter on July 31st um, continues to threaten to kill more people if his ciphers aren't. But he's like really nervous that they're not going to publish his ciphers. Because he, he says, quote, I like killing people because it's so much fun. End quote. Ew. All three letters have horrible spelling, but when posed with a cipher included, like you're led to assume that the spelling errors are intentional and they're whole part of the whole thing. So um, we are going to be posting the letters on probably social media. Mm-hmm. We could do that. And then also I'm going to try to show all of the source material on our website, which I'll link in the description box if you guys are curious, because this is a very visual case. And right now we're not really not really doing visuals yet. Stay tuned for that. So anyway, August 4th, 1969, they receive another letter. This one is three pages long. And it is in response to the police previously asking for more information for the writer to prove he's the Zodiac killer. This guy's busy. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of time on his hands, clearly. Um, so the writer gives more details. He needs a lot of attention. Yeah, at all times. <laughs> Give him attention at all times. He writes more details about the killing of Darlene Farron, such as, like, the state of the car, that the window was rolled down, um, the pace in which he drove away. He describes uh, the witness who told the police what his car looked like, all that stuff. And this August 4th letter is the first instance in which he uses the moniker The Zodiac. So he started the letter with a standard, like, dear editor, mm-hmm. and then this letter is what starts the whole, this is The Zodiac speaking. Ugh. Which is the whole so creepy. creepy. Yes. So yeah. creepy. He literally, let's talk about how, how, like, 
arrogant this is, though. He literally gave himself a nickname. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly... It's not often that serial killers do that, because they because the media does that Usually for them. the media does but it for them. But he's like, you know what? You know what sounds really good? You know what's really cool? I'm the Zodiac. <laughs> well, and, you know, like, honestly, like, so far this tracks as far as a yeah. serial killer, because they're usually highly narcissistic. Mm-hmm. This guy clearly is obsessed with himself. He mm-hmm. loves what he's doing. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't put past, like, the... Who, whoever's writing these letters is actually yeah. doing, you know, some crimes. Some, yeah, he's doing crime. He's doing he's just, some he's, crimes, he's and he wants credit crime. for it. Yeah, he does, and he wants the he wants to be front page news. Yeah, at I all mean times. that's a that's a serious pathology there. Yeah, I want to point out this is one of those things that Renee noticed that might not be important, just like the lack of sexual assault in all of these killings of these women. Um, but he does not say the Zodiac killer. He just says the Zodiac. So in theories that we're going to expound on later, we'll end the whole theory about this documentary on Peacock where it's like, is he even real? I feel like the Zodiac is real. Whether the Zodiac is the killer of all of the people connected to him, I doubt. This guy sounds like... He doesn't identify himself as a... He doesn't put it in his name, I should say. He, He did say he killed people. He did. But then he said this is the Zodiac. Yeah. Which implies he's super proud of the ciphers. He's super proud of the codes that he's, like, posed well, because he's so much smarter than the police. Yes, and giving yourself a name like that is, like, you are superhuman. Yes. You're not a human anymore. You were the Zodiac. He slobbered all over my microphone. That's fine. That's <laughs> okay. That's okay. I love you, buddy. Okay, okay. So, September 27th, 1969, we're going to go to Lake um, Berryessa in California. All of this happens in California. I can stop saying that. Um... Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell uh, go on a date to the lake. (coughs) This is like a common hangout for for kids and college students in this area, okay? Um, They're they're lying having a picnic on the lakeside, and a man in a hood with a white crossed circle, which is a zodiac symbol that he starts put he puts in his letters. Like cross, Again, we're going to post yeah, these. Yeah. yeah. So it literally looks like a T inside of a circle. Gotcha. Um, that symbol is over his chest, over this black hood. It's on the chest that part. That is so creepy. Yeah. He just walks up to them with a gun. He was, He's wearing clipped glasses. <laughs> I don't know why this part makes me laugh. Because it feels so dorky. Yeah, it's such a dad move. <laughs> People die, Renee. Okay. Um, he puts these glasses over the hood. Because he he can look super scary, but the dude's got to see, right? So he puts the glasses over the hood like he's in full costume. This is breaking M.O. already. Already. He has never done this in any of the other crimes. Um, the gunman allegedly also stopped to talk to them. He told them, hey, I just escaped from prison, and I need your money and your car because I need to run away to Mexico. And he... And they're like, uh, they panic, obviously, because if a guy with a hood... You escaped from prison, but then you made that costume. (laughs) He, like, stitched. He stitched the symbol onto the costume. This fucking guy. (laughs) This isn't funny. It's not funny. This This fucking guy is such a weirdo. This is not funny, but I'm so uncomfortable with him. It's not funny. I'm laughing because it's uncomfortable. Um, But he binds their wrists with plastic clothesline, and then he stabs Brian in the back six times. And he stabs Cecilia ten times. The killer. So if this is the same guy, he's getting bolder. 
and he's interacting he's interacting with the victims which is strange he's dressing up so the killer goes back to the car and he uses a marker to draw that like cross circle symbol on the door along with the dates and locations of previous attacks so he put september 27th 69 and the time 6 30 yeah he's getting and the notation by knife like he puts the means of the attack too at 7 40 that like evening. he's signing his art piece. Yeah. With, so gross. And he's leaving receipts because he's like, yeah, I know exactly the details well, that happened previously. He's yeah. proud of it. Yep. He's taking... He's taking wow. credit. Yeah. At 7.40 that night, the Napa... Oh, <laughs> I lost my spot. The Napa police were called... Um, it's, it's, someone was calling them to report the double murder scene. The man who called to report it claims, I'm the one who did it. So this is the second time this the, has happened. The second time he's called himself in, yeah. Uh-huh. He called from... The, so the number was traced to a payphone near a car wash in, in Napa. Okay. So he walked a while before he, like... Or drove a while, I but guess. But he wanted people to know he, he did wanted it. people to know he did it and he wanted it to not go unnoticed. So he's definitely like, hey, go find the dead bodies. Also, I put them there. Um, Cecilia, when they, when they got to her, Cecilia described... The attacker is having a round face, white skin, about 5'8 or 6 feet tall, and roughly mid-20s. There were other girls at the lake, all other college-age girls at the lake that day, and they had previously reported... They, they reported that right before this attack, they had noticed a man fitting that description lurking by this oak tree that was near them. And this man kept look like he was intensely staring at them. Mm-hmm. And it made them all uncomfortable. And he had started moving trees. Like, every time they looked back, he was hiding behind a different tree. And at some point, they panicked because they were like, he's standing between us and the car. Like, we can't leave. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's stalking. Yeah, they they waited for 45 minutes before they finally looked back and he was gone. And that is because he moved on to Cecilia and Brian. That's awful. So they finally ran off. But they gave a very similar description of the only other person that was spotted being there to do this attack. Cecilia only survived two days before dying of her wounds in the hospital. Brian, Brian survived. He recovered. So is he the second survivor? Then? He's the second survivor, and it's only the men. None of the survivors so far are women. Yeah, that is interesting. I found that interesting, too, because most of the women, with the exception so, of the one in 1963, the women get the most stab slash bullet wounds as yeah. well. Yeah, this reads to me like someone that was clearly had issues with women. And that was rejected. So couples really get them all fired up. Yep. Yeah, he was soups mad. So the crime scene, this this part's interesting. The crime scene was removed before investigators got there. Because a park ranger named Dennis Land, he's the one who found Brian crawling towards the... Brian was coherent enough to be like, I have to go get help. I have to leave Cecilia here. To go get help. So he's like crawling to the, to the God, road. Poor guy. And Ranger Dennis Land is the one who finds him on the road. He, for some reason, gathers up the entire crime scene, sticks it in a box, and hands it to the police. Which That's not what you do. Completely goes against protocol. It contaminates the entire he scene. Might, he might be like completely panicked. So, well, yeah. So either it was a probably, mistake. I mean, he's not really trained. No, a he's a park ranger. ranger. Yeah. yeah. So this could be an honest mistake. Some people think that there could have been some intent there. Mm. 
because he also allegedly went off radio at that point in the day. Like, they're supposed to log when they go off radio, when they come back on radio. And this happened while he was off radio. And so there's, like, I don't know. There's some suspicion. Okay. Surrounding. I don't know if, unless Dennis is the Zodiac Killer, I don't know if he has motivation to do something like this and so elaborately frame the Zodiac Killer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not going to discount any suspicion that could could be happening here. But Dennis also did not fit the description yeah. given by both Cecilia and the other girls at the lake. So this could have just been unfortunate timing mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. him to go off radio mm-hmm. and a total lapse in judgment or ignorance. Gotcha. Like he just didn't know. He's like, I don't know. This has to go to the police. Yeah. I got to box it up so no one touches it. Even though I touched it all over and it's all contaminated now. But either way, uh, Dennis was not investigated. So this this theory of suspicion rising against his situation was is brought up later. Way, 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 way later. So, yeah, we're actually this is a good stopping point for part one. So we're going to end this episode. I know. We're only halfway through. Well, I mean, it's crazy because, like, we're so not far, nineteen seventy yet. <laughs> so far, it like it does read to me like, okay, this is a serial killer. Sure, he is a uh, uh, getting more comfortable in what he's doing. He wants everybody to know what he's doing. Um, he's super proud of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it it does read to me like it's legitimate. What do you think of Jim Crabtree? I mean. I don't know. I mean, he sounds like an interesting guy. He has. Um, I, I could. I could definitely see why police would would take him into consideration. They didn't for long. They went to him and they were like, "Hey, did you do it? Do you have an alibi?" And his wife was like, "Yeah, here's his alibi." And they're like, "Okay, cool." And then they moved on. They did not look at him very much at all. So it. But in the documentary, Jim almost encourages the belief. That he's just out of, like he's like he's the one who points out oh I was a cryptographer oh I told her I she would see this coming back to her nine times over he said things like that and the documentarian even the host was like that's a weird so he like went back yeah that's, that is interesting yeah so Dr Thomas Horan who who has this theory that all of this is just separate instances maybe some of them are connected but not all of them and that the Zodiac thing is like blown up beyond what it actually is well i can yeah he said when the host went back to him and was like this is what jim crabtree said about his background and all that he claims horan claims that that's not his background that he's lying about all of these details about his life maybe he like kind of wanted to be like wanted to take credit or something i'm like well is it ridiculous to think he could be? I mean, that the, that's a thing that Zodiac? happens, that people people take credit for things it's that they true. didn't do. And he's super old. Maybe he's like, let's go out with a bang. Let's <laughs> let's say, hey, I'm the Zodiac. What are they going to do? What's the statute of limitations there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know. The last crime, it didn't get far into the 70s. We'll, we'll cover it in part two, but maybe we'll Google that, Google that before we go into part two as well, what the statute of limitations is. Maybe he really just did want attention. Yeah, that's... I don't know. This He also does acid trips on the 4th of July by himself, so... I don't, he's a mess. <laughs> he's a mess. Jim. Anyway, what's our what's our sweet note that we're ending on today? So we have something savory today. It's one of my favorite treats. Oh, I love savory. Yeah, so we have here... 
Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. White cheddar popcorn. Love and it. it is delicious. Delish. Okay. I love popcorn. I You can't go wrong no. with popcorn. It's a great snack. Uh, uh, spilled it. Uh, I love it. I know, it's so good. It's so good. Five skulls. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Five. I will, like, binge eat this at, like, one in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a perfect midnight snack. It really yep. is. Mmm. Well. Well, guys, if you liked this episode, please stay tuned for part two. I promise the story kind of ends. Yeah, we have more. Eventually. There are a couple more cases and a lot more letters to talk about. I know. I want, I, I'm very So much curious. more material. Yeah, I'm yeah. very curious. We got through the majority of the cases, so if that's... If you don't want to hear gore, you're probably not going to hear a whole lot more gore in part two. It's mostly, like, the letters and stuff. So, yep. Stay tuned for, for part two. Subscribe so you get notified when it comes like, out. Like, subscribe. Tell us, Share. Tell us you like us. Share with your family. Buy some merch. Comment. Buy merch. Oh, yeah. To the end of... This we're month. Still, we're still having a sale. Yeah. We may actually extend it to August, honestly. It's, uh, the code is Prime Time, all caps. Yep. So please use it. Get 20% off your first order. And link, link in the bio. Link in the bio. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.